Welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gora. I'm here with my co-host, Lance Psycho. How's it going? Good. How about you? Good, good. Hey, so uh, Inside the Firm is just a look inside an architecture firm where we talk about uh, what we're doing at the time, some past lessons and experiences. And then the big thing, too, is also a development. So we're becoming, we're transitioning from just kind of architecture, BIM, all that, to uh, a design build own firm. Um, so we hope you like it. Yeah. Without further ado, uh, we'll jump right into a development talk. So we where we're at in the process is um, <clears throat> if you've been keeping up the up with the podcast, if you haven't, uh, we just we just finished our community community meeting where neighborhood Alex, meeting neighborhood yep. meeting where Alex presented the project to the to the neighborhood. We got some good feedback, um, and then from there, we are now starting to talk to city council members and the planning commission members individually. Yeah. So. If you want to see that presentation, I recorded um, it, not live, but but um, just at my computer, and it's on insidethefirmpodcast.com. So we knew uh, the mayor pro tem, and he's a city council mayor because he was Lance's lawyer. Um, so we just emailed him and said, hey, we just want to talk about this project. And he gave us some really, really good advice. Um, and the first one, well... <laughs> Do you do you have something to say? I feel like you have something to say. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is, uh, um, honestly, if you if you go to select a lawyer for your, for yourself personally, I, you I think I think there is. Um, I, I I strategically select selected mine because I knew that eventually we were going to step into this development role, and that I would want to get to know this particular guy because um, he is the mayor pro tem. Is that what you is that yeah. how you say it? And he's a city city council member. So it's just it's just good to network in that way so i think every time you go to hire a consultant or somebody that you're going to work with if it makes sense beyond that first in transaction to build a network think try to think long term and longevity in, in that way so that was yeah. the only thing i was going to say yeah <laughs> and, no good and mayor pro tem i think it just means backup mayor so like yeah. if the mayor's out or gone or on a trip i think he's just the mayor then um so one thing it, we, we we presented the idea to him like what we wanted to do and these guys are so busy and you know mainly he's not even that old but like they I, I had the feeling like he just wanted to talk you know he just wanted to you know give his advice and, and, and shout out and the first thing and he, you know what we wanted to listen so it was actually perfect yeah <laughs> I mean we were just sponges sucking it in I I can't say I can't really state how much how meaningful that 30 minute meeting was because of the three pieces of advice that he gave us moving ahead. Yeah. And the first thing he said, he goes, when big developers come, he goes, this is what they do. They, he, they go, they get the votes before, before it's going to be voted on. So just think about like politics, how, how, how they're supposed to do it. Right. You're supposed to not have a vote unless you know that you can get it. Right. And that's why, didn't they cancel, didn't they cancel the vote for to kill Obamacare because yes. they didn't even vote on it, They right? didn't even vote on it because they knew they weren't going to have the vote. So they yeah. didn't, like, because time is money and people are busy. I mean, yep. that's on, if it come based on a common sense like that, right? And you don't want to look, you don't want to look, look foolish. And yeah, and, it, and I think if, if, if your idea fails the first time um, in a vote, what are you going to go up and do the same idea the second time? Like, it just seems like an, a bigger uphill battle. So why wouldn't you want to go in there just ready to rock? Yep. So he goes go talk to all the city council people and then show them the project and make sure like you have their vote. And, and we said, okay, but this isn't going to go to city council. It's yeah. only a conditional use. It's only going to go to the planning board. And, and I go, would you still go to city council? Everyone? He's like, yeah, because what you want to do is get like a quote from them. 
He goes, you know, like something like Brian Bagley says, this is a great project. I go, well, can we quote you on that? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) to which he said yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because he did actually, I don't even know what you wrote down, but it was something to the tune of, this looks like a great project. Wow, I can't believe nobody's doing uh, condos. This is going to be great for for the community. You know, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Because, and we also kind of learned this lesson from another, uh, we're drawing up, um, I'm not even going to say what it is, another building in Longmont. And he was just getting stuck, stuck at the city. And he goes, basically, he had to go above their head, heads to get something resolved. Um, and then I told him about something that I wanted to, that I got stuck at the city. It was a pet project. It's about open space. We have a lake in Longmont. I think it should be utilized. They don't think it should be utilized. At Alex the is from Minnesota, and he is dying to bring Minnesota to Colorado in the form of houses around a lake. <laughs> houses, <laughs> parks, walking, not an open field. You, Alex's trigger word is open space. It, it is my trigger word. <laughs> um, and, and this other guy basically said to me, you're not going to get anywhere with them because they have to follow the rules and they have to implement what's... And they, can, and they can't make exceptions. If they make exceptions for one person, then they feel like they have to make exceptions for everybody. So yep. them po- following the book to a T is really what they have to do. Yep. And what's great about local politics, and, and probably one of the reasons why it runs smoother than our, our big government, is that you only need the five city council people, might be more or less, and then the mayor. And if they think that it's a good idea, six people, seven people, eight people... Then that's what the city's gonna do. Yeah. So they so, can. Act, they're actually quite a bit more agile now. Think about like the federal government, right? Three hundred. Three hundred people in Congress. Yeah. You know, and what do we got? Like eighty senators or seventy, seventy senators, something. Like no, that. no. So fifty times two hundred. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So basically, everyone in the city is is used to that structure, like. If the city council and the mayor says says something, and normally they have you know good ideas, they're not going to do something crazy. That's what everyone's going to implement. Also, um, the city manager is also an important person because while these people might change, the city manager will stay on for 10, 20 years, and he's the one actually running everything. Um, so if you didn't know that, you should just know your city has a city manager. Uh, the mayor is just doing politics stuff and like big vision stuff. Yeah. How everything works is all city manager. So. He says, still go to city council because if they like it, they're, you know, they, hey, this, this looks great. Hey, can we quote you on that? So then when you're presenting it to the board, to the planning commission, yep, they will know, hey, these guys already like it. And it, it, it's probably more subconscious than because anything. Because you'll use those quotes from the city council members that you have permission for yep. that. Okay. You see, they already have it backed up. Then, then the idea is also, let's say for some reason that fails and you don't get the vote. Yeah. Then you can go back. You can go back to the plan, to the to the city council person that you that you quoted and that you got permission to quote and say, "Hey, I'm having trouble here. Can you help me out?" Yeah. And then this this internal political dialogue can happen back and forth between the planning commission and the city council in ideally in your favor because you kind of have said, "Hey, I, I know you, I thought you were about all about this project." Yep. And then the other thing too, not just for the vote, but let's say you didn't have to have a vote. Let's say you just had to go through. Um, just regular planning and all that. And they were getting stuck. Everything was getting crazy. Um, they were being really slow. Um, they were maybe doing too many nitpicky stuff. Uh, you could approach, and especially the city council person in your ward, I think that will be the, the most appropriate too. So your, your town is broken into wards. We're in like ward three, I think. And then you can say, hey, you know, this is taking way too long. Can you just check into it? And normally what happens is that the city councilmen will 
you know, call the planner in charge and the planner, oh, okay, yeah, 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 we're getting in on it, you know, we're going. And if you've worked with engineers or anything like that, what you probably realize is that there's so much work and there's so much work in the city too, especially in Colorado, since it's just exploding, that they just need to be reminded that this is a priority. So, you know, you call your engineer, hey, I really need that. I'm not joking this time. And they're like, okay, okay, you know, and then they 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 quickly do it. And I think that's the same thing. It's just that relationship. They might, they probably won't even be telling the planning person what to do. They'll just say, they'll just use questions like, why is this taking so long? What is the issue? What's going on here? Exactly, yeah. And then we'll help clarify it. Um, and then, so that's great. <clears throat> and then I think the, yeah, the second part about that, was okay. Would you go meet with the planning, the zone planning and zoning commission? And he he paused and he goes, "Well, I would. Why not? Why not?" Um, so that's the next thing after we meet with all yeah. the city council. You want you want to know going in if your project has a shot of passing, and you want to get a feel for are they going to vote yes or are they going to vote no? What their concerns yeah. are, so that maybe then when you go to present, if you know if there's some unknown concerns, and you can address them before the meeting, right? I think, and then just knowing knowing who they are and having them know who you are, so you're so you're a friendly face when you come in is is pretty paramount. Yeah. And then you can say, hey, I just want to meet with you, show you the project, and then then ask, hey, I want to get your vote. Is there any comments or any things that I might need to do to in order to garner your vote? That's it. That, that yeah, there's yeah. So for anybody for anybody listening who's thinking maybe it was like. These developers come in and there's these sleazy backdoor deals or anything like that. I, I don't think there is. That, there probably is in some cases, but in most cases, I think it is it is as simple as we are explaining it and, and telling. And it's just networking and glad handing, and um, nobody's nobody's out for a witch hunt. I think everybody in in the end, you know, these people are invested in the city, just like you are invested in the city and you want to see it grow and flourish. So in, in the end, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to build this community in a positive way, right? Yep. And then, and then some things that we did on our own, um, there were, on our site, there's issues of like, okay, where can, where can the water go? What can we do with it? And normally, uh, bigger developers, they don't want to put up too much money up front because it's still two years till they'll, they'll get their money back. But for us, I want everything to go smoothly and do it right the first time. So I said, I called the civil and then I called the city who the civil reviewers and said, Hey, can we just have a meeting to go over all this? Um, and again, it's, it's not any of this backdoor stuff. It's just communication. That's, that's all it is. Yep. Um, yep. And not being afraid, not being afraid to ask for, ask the hard questions of what do you guys not like about what you're doing and what, you know, what, what can we do that will be sufficient for you guys uh, to approve things? Yeah. Pr- pretty simple. And I wonder too, if they start to, to say something like, I don't even know, like, oh, I wish... I wish that you had solar panels or stuff like that. And then you could either address and say, hey, we do have that option. Or through talking, like, you realize how you can't object to us just because we don't have something that's more expensive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that will come clear. So then they'll be like, yeah, no, you know. So we'll yep. see. So number one, get out there and get out there and network. That was that was an awesome piece of advice. And talk get, talk yeah. to everybody you can on the planning side and then also the, the uh, city council side. Yep. So get get the votes before you vote. Yep. Yep. Number two, uh, number two is if if you are going to occupy, if you are going to occupy any part of the development, I think don't present it in that way. Present it as instead of in more generic way of hey, we're providing this much commercial space and this much residential space because you don't want it to be a personal 
uh, endeavor in the end of it. Even though obviously it is like you are a capitalist and you're out here to you're out here to make a good product and make money. Um, but if you keep the personality aside, then it's it's it, it, there's no there's nothing attached to it in a negative or positive way. It's just a purely professional decision at the end of the day. And this is the other reason for it because Lance and I actually made this. You could call it a mistake. Every time we presented it to the planners, to the city, to the neighborhood, we said, "Oh yeah," and then the commercial space will be our space. And you know, we said it with enthusiasm. We actually thought it was a great thing. Like, hey, we're investing in Longmont. Yeah. We're going to be here. We thought it was awesome. And we got the advice, don't. And to add on to what Lance has said is because then if, again, subconsciously, what the planners and and the politicians might think is, even if you are doing everything within the rules, and trust me, there will probably be one or two things that are not within the rules. You might need a variance, right? But let's say even, even if you didn't, it might feel or come across that they're doing a favor for you personally exactly like oh we're we're allowing this so that you can have your office here so that you can do again it goes back to that idea of they have to be by the book and for good reason because they can't you know there's no if you make an exception for one person then all of a sudden the dominoes just start to fall over the place and you kind of lose the professional integrity from both sides of the spectrum so we didn't we again that was like that that was a holy crap we've been doing this wrong yeah we've been doing this wrong um so, you know, people, <laughs> some of the planners know, yes, we are planning to occupy this. But then the third, the, the other reason I think that uh, councilman brought up was in this meeting was, what if you guys end up, things change. Like, what if you guys end up not occupying the, and I go, man, that's a really good point. Because honestly, who knows what can happen in two years? A lot, a lot happens in a day for us, right? And then honestly, um, we might have to sell it just for financial reasons. Yeah. Like it just like the, the money people are lending us might have to sell it. And then two, what if we occupy it for two years and then it goes to someone else, which is very plausible. Like this is a re- that is very realistic that we might not be there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So keep it professional. Yep. Number three, um, <clears throat> is, uh, people have asked how much, how much are these going to sell for? Right. And then everyone has a range. You have your, um, Hey, this is the lowest it can sell for, and then below that is holy cow, we're in trouble, and this might be a reality. Yeah, um, because the market does drop, right? Then you have your medium. Okay, this is where we want it to sell it for, and then your your high of this is realistically where it could go, and then there your super high. Man, I'd love for it to sell huge, right? Yep. Yep. So let's just use generic uh, Mayberry. Like let's say let's say your m- middle of the road was like three hundred, right? And then let's say in San Francisco, numbers are going to be different. So let's say it's 750, right? So they ask, hey, what are you going to sell these for? You don't say, oh, for San Francisco. Yeah, we'd love to sell them for a million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for for Mayberry, you don't say, hey, it'd be great if we could get 350 to 400. Because then it just looks like you're that developer who's trying to take as much money out of the system. When you are trying to make money, but it, it looks like you're just here to take and really, I think the the best the best the best developers um, are not only looked at this way, but they also act in this way. Is that look, we are providing a valuable service to the community, in that we're providing afford housing that can be afforded by that community in yep. particular. Like you, you are actually providing something that is a necessary thing for people to occupy in this city. Yep. So also when you're doing your numbers, you, you are shooting for like, if something does happen, hopefully everyone can make their money back. So between not that like low number where you don't make money or else everyone kind of makes essentially nothing, but the low realistic in the middle, I would shoot for a number in between there. Like, Hey, they're going to sell for 
you know, 290, uh, 310, something like that, rather than saying, God, I hope I can sell them for 380 (laughs) because that's, that's not, that's not realistic. And that's a wish. You don't tell people, you know, you don't tell people, you don't tell people your dreams, which seems like wrong to say, but it's right. Well, I think, yeah, exactly. I think you don't have to show everybody your whole, your whole uh, hand of cards, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you have to tell a little bit about what you're doing at the end of the day, but, it, but really, I mean, less is more here. So, yeah. What, so what, what would you say? What would you say if I said, Hey, what are you guys thinking about selling these for? What would be your one line Ours? right now? Yeah. Well, well, Alex, hopefully around 300. Okay. Yeah. For yeah. real. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would say? What? I would say, uh, I would add, the caveat I would add to that is I would say we're trying to we're trying to hit the 300 mark because because it's it's a mark that we that we are seeing from a real estate agent pinning on somebody else that is affordable to the community. Okay, simple as that. I mean, like because because that that those this is where we're getting our numbers from in the projected sales is it's from our agent, right? Yeah, it's from our realtor. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, nice. Nice. So, third that was the third piece of advice. Uh, you know. Don't don't tell them you're shooting for the moon. Just that's you tell them. Hey, we're shooting for a safe ground. For, tell them for everybody because you will have you will have those different numbers in your head or on a spreadsheet. So tell them that more realistic to pessimistic number rather than you're shooting for the moon. All of a sudden, Google moves in and everyone needs houses. You know. <laughs> yep, and you can charge literally yeah. a million dollars. So that condo. I guess that's advice. Don't tell them something that's based on some fi- fantastic future that might not happen. Yep. Okay. So that was that was our three pieces of advice from just meeting with with city council or a member of city one council. Many member of city council. Yeah. So I have a separate set of advice. Um, you could call it part four. I just call it part one. Um, we all over. We've we've done site plan review with a bunch of different cities, but even if it's with the same city, if you're doing a project a year apart or with a different planner. And we're doing this in Longmont where we're going through this whole process. I, I thought, man, I bet you, as you know, if you do this, there's always going to be weird comments. And I'm going to go through one that I think is crazy, one that I think is good, and one that I think is great that I've gotten from the city. I said, could you send me an example of um, your, your questions, your, your responses back to a similar project? And... I, I actually didn't know whether they're going to do it or not, but they did. And I think because it's probably public record because remember when we were in the neighborhood meeting, No, I think it is public record. It's so because as soon as you, it's every document, as soon as you get into site plan review is public record. Is that what you're going with that? Yeah. yeah. So one, it is public record. And then two, even if it wasn't like easily given, I think the freedom of information act be like, why can I not have this? They, yeah. It would actually be weird if they did. Have it would it. Be, it would be weird. Yeah. So um, they sent it over, and I, I literally just glanced through it uh, really quickly. We'll go through it in detail you know, at our firm and make sure that we're covering everything. But this way, so let me go over some, <laughs> some of them. So here is a real comment. And is this, the, is this the weird one? This is the one where I'm like, see, this is nuts, and it's so hard to tell developers and, and people like you have to deal with this. So it says, on cheat, blah, 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 um, you know, notary certificate. Please replace bold type font with regular type font for the following. And I think I died inside a little bit <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> There's other jurisdictions that I've worked in where I've gotten the same kind of comments back where they say, 
can you please make this a bullet point? Can you make this one underlined? And so, I mean, we're talking about fonts here, which seems in the scheme of what you are creating, you know, and the, the amount of money that is in these developments, millions of dollars, that seems like such a minuscule thing to pinpoint yeah. when really, the, really, like, shouldn't our focus be on fire safety and stuff like that? You would think so. I think that's where you think it would go. Or just conveying in the information, like, whether it's bold or not, does is, it, is the, are the words the same? Are the, are, does it convey that information and can, and can you read it? So the reason I really don't like that is because um, it in, it's a lot of uncertainty. Which out of the 20,000 words, letters, t- fonts, are they going to say, please change? And how many times are they going to change it? It's, and why Alex, why Alex said, um, even if you're working in the same, one of the things he mentioned was, even if you're working in the same planning department, you know, say in a certain city, Year over year, right? I mean, they could have a turnover from one planner to the next. So the idea that this is predictable every single year, I think, is is a fallacy. And that that's kind of what we're trying to get across here, too. Just people and everybody who's having to deal with this, whether you're a developer, contractor, architect, doesn't matter, is there's a whole level of uncertainty because people turn over and then standards change and who knows what the heck we're going to get back. Yep. The next two comments, I think, are well worth just asking for for these so this next one i actually kind of like even though it has to do with font the font size should be a minimum of one eighth inch on 24 by 36 plan sets so that when they are reduced to 11 by 17 the smaller printout will be legible when doing research that requires printouts of plans from electronic files we frequently print 11 by 17 inch sheets for this reason the larger font size is important so can i tell you why i love this Sure. Because if we didn't do this, we'd get all the way through. We'd do all of our sheets. We'd have 20, 30 sets. And then I need to send this to the civil, actually, now that I think about it. I need to send this to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Is that then after the first or second round, they'd say, hey, please do this. And when you change fonts on 30 sheets, like things get moved, especially if things are lining up and yeah. they're different tags. One, like you got to go through every single and thing. For and for the software that we work in, that's one uh, of the hanging. That's one of the hanging points with the software is that the text is pretty awful. Revit, if you're listening, your text is terrible. Autodesk, if you're listening, please fix the text. We know you're listening. <laughs> but why I love this is that now, now I can shoot this off to all my guys and and say, hey, one eighth is the minimum. And we just nip it in the butt. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. I'm so, so happy. Yeah. So, so two things. So Alex, Alex asked for a, set, a couple sets of example comments, which are perfect because, uh, and so they, you know, in the, in that comment, it is not spelled out when you go to submit that they want that. So it was kind of good to see that. But then the second part is sometimes they'll give you actually example sets that have passed through, which are also really good. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the first thing I asked for, you know, maybe three weeks ago. And then I asked for this. There's no way that I would have measured every font and saw that the minimal exactly. was one eighth. And exactly. Deduce that we can only do one eighth. Yeah. Um, and then the, this next one I think is really helpful too, because there's, I, there's a bunch of, this is, uh, this is representational of a bunch of comments. So it says, um, add tapping, tap size calculations per section, blah, 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 you know, 603, which is in the plumbing code. 
what they're referencing. And what's great, so for engineers, you know, we'll size a whole bunch of things. So this would be for a MEP engineer. Um, he'll size how much, you know, how big the water tap's gonna be. For a structural, how big the beams are. And normally they don't ask for you to show your work. They don't say, hey, engineer, please show us the, the calculations. Although Denver is now starting to ask for structural calculations, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. And I just stamped a set of drawings, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> So um, what this is great is that I, the MEP, hey, hey, please just make sure you, you know, when you do these, don't just write them on a sheet of paper, type them up and include them. Yeah. Good. Nailed that one in the butt. Yeah. So this, yeah. this, this point number four is Al's point, And I think it's, I think it's a great point because uh, just, again, do not be afraid to ask for this information. Just see what you're up against. And then, and then here's one thing that we are using. We are also um, trying to use this information for is when we go in and speak with developers and we are presenting a contract to them to show them to justify this is why certain fees are a certain way is because we're accounting for these unknown variables and just because some of them some of the developers uh, they might not want to know they might not want to know or sorry they might not be uh, so heavily invested that they're going through each of these uh, items when when the site plan comes back right because that's why you're hired to do it so I think just also kind of educating them and look, look, this is where this current building department or planning department is, and this is how they interact with us when it comes to this part of the part of the process. I think it just opens opens up everybody to understand the whole process and what 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 kind of manpower it's going to take to get it done. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Um, all I have for advice. Uh, let's switch gears. Switch gears into something that that recently happened in our firm. I'll let you take over this okay. segment. So uh, we're bidding on, um, I, I think, I think so we're primarily a residential firm, um, but we are creeping into the commercial world. And through that creep of the commercial world, I think what I'm starting to realize is that contracts for commercial work are done in mo more, more ways than I think houses are. So the first thing that, so for all of our houses and for all of our work, we try to do fixed fees because we're business people <clears throat> and we've built stuff We've built stuff before. I built a house. Alex and I have built multiple tiny houses, stuff like that. And we run a business. So we want to know how much things are going to cost upfront. Like even when we redid our website, like we don't want, we don't want you to tell us a website designer, it's going to cost $65 an hour. And then may, it might cost between five and 10,000. Like for us, we want to know what is the final number it's going to cost just so we can be ready to absorb it. Right? So what I'm noticing in, in bidding on these new commercial projects is that some of some of the other architecture firms that we are that we are competing against will give a range of fees, and the current one is we are um, our top our our fixed fee for this for this particular project matches their top range of fees. So let's just use uh, I'm going to make up the numbers. Uh, so let's say let's say for this project the whole project is or let's just say a phase a phase is ten thousand dollars yeah schematic design yep we said it's gonna cost ten thousand dollars to do schematic design yep and someone else so we just saw a contract and honestly we want to know if other people do this if we are just out of the loop if this is common um, we'll even shout out to entree architect their their group let's post on there and see what people I say. meant to do that but but yeah I yeah. forgot <laughs> <laughs> um, so do people do this range? And, 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 and at first we were a little bit uncomfortable for it because, you know, we said 10,000, they said five to 10. I'm like, are they tricking? Are they tricking the client? Um, 
And, and where's this coming from? Because that's the feedback we're getting is, you know, Hey, we want to go for you, but there's this range and it might be lower. Well, do we say, Hey, they just say that, but it's going to slowly eat up into that. And like, but by the end of it, they'll at least be at 75%, you know, like, so if they'd be at 7,500 at a minimum, like that's their real minimum. Um, that's our reaction. And I actually brought this up to my fiance. And because I wanted to get her take on it. She's a businesswoman. And so I said, <clears throat> she actually heard the conversation. I actually had a conversation with the client and they said, the potential client. And I, because she said, I just don't understand what the difference is between your proposal and their proposal. And I said, well, um, if you, I said, will you just, can you break, can you send me any, can we have a conversation about it where we talk about you just to kind of explain like, okay, what are they saying in the schematic design? I didn't ask for the proposal or anything. I just asked, can we have a conversation? And she explained it to me and I go, oh, the, what you're explaining is it sounds like they're giving you a range. And so my fiance overheard the whole conversation and then I hung up, you know, got off the phone with the, with the client. We had a good conversation. And then, she, and then I said, I said, well, what do you, what did you think about that? What did you think about that? And she goes, oh, that would be tough. That would be tough. And I go, really? Would that be a tough decision? She goes, yes, because I can see how they are really struggling to decide whether to go with you or the, with the other the other firm because when they look at the other firm's fees, they go, man, but on a best case scenario, let's say this thing just went smooth. You know, and here's the, here's the optimistic business person inside of you going, oh, if it just goes smooth, it's half of the fees, half of the fees of the other firm where the other firm is for sure going to charge me this. I could possibly get it down there. So yeah. I get that. I understand the the draw from a client perspective. And then going back to city comments. So let's just say we said arrange for city comments to address them. <clears throat> Literally, a realistic range, you could say, hey, it could go so smooth. It could be $2,500. You know, it's just one round. You're going to get one round back, fix it up, you're good. Or it could be crazy. It's going to be $10,000, right? Yeah. And then what you said before with all these comments is that they aren't seeing how crazy this can yes. be. So their idea is very clear. It's very crisp. Oh, why is it just lines on the paper? Why can't it should be this, you know, it just should be simple. Knock it out of the park. I can, I can hit that $5,000 fees. I can hit it. I know I'll respond really fast. There will be no hiccups. There'll be no new stuff. So I think, I think the range is, is placating to that and base and, and where the safety net, because Lance is like, would you be comfortable with that? Yeah. So I, I, call, I called Alex last night and said, would you be comfortable with me modifying our contract? So then it's an apples to apples and comparison. With this client, I said, yes. But I go, Lance, we already tried this with one of our developers for a house. And he laughed at us. Oh, man, he absolutely <laughs> laughed at us. Because this guy thinks like we do in that we want to know the freaking price. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean a range? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but and, then, and, and law, see the th the funny thing is too is lawyers do this all the time. I've hired lawyers multiple times in my life, and you get sign a retainer, and then they say, "Well," and then let's say it's a divorce or something like that, and you hand them a pack of papers, and they go, "Yeah, you're looking at between X and X, five and, and ten thousand. And yeah. I don't. And I, I was telling Alex this, I don't know if we're just conditioned to accept that from the legal community and and that's what it is same thing with the medical medical community right didn't you bring this up about like you break a leg and they go yeah maybe maybe 10k uh, oh maryland did maryland did maryland was talking about that yeah yeah, yeah not me <laughs> but but i think maybe what you understand in the, in the lawyers normally you're going against some someone and you can see like okay if if they agree and go smoothly and if yeah. i get all my stuff okay it could work i don't think people are conditioned that 
you are doing the same thing to the city. <laughs> You're literally going up against a bureaucracy. Yep. And and uh, you know that's not to be. It's not a personal attack. It's just it is a bureaucracy. It's, it's a fact. It's, it's a fact. Facts. Yeah. yeah. So maybe with clients that um, have this this idea that it's going to be clear and and clean cut, maybe that is the option. And and where I think you're safe is that if you keep them informed and say, okay, whatever phase, it doesn't matter. Here's what we did. Here's how much it costs. Here's the deliverable, right? And then next time they say, okay, from that first design pass to the second one, I actually had them, instead of just changing a small thing, I had them change the floor plate, the square footage, all that other stuff. And they see those numbers add up and then they see the iterations and then they see either the comments from the city and they see like, oh, I guess this did cost $10,000. I And so on that note, I actually, I mean, I always hope we get whatever project we bid on, but I really hope we get this one because I want to experiment with it and see and, and do exactly what Alex is saying is we are doc. I mean, we always, I always try to document meeting notes and stuff like that, but be extra on top of it to where we are documenting everything. And maybe we'll even do, you know, do you, do you remember that other architect we, that had the advice of do a revisions page? Yeah. Where you list out, screw it. Maybe communication we'll, page. Yeah. The communication page. Let's do a communication page in this one. And then I'm doing that on our development. I already started one. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Look at us. Look at us learning from, from others and then us. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's that? Help me help you. Help me help you. Um, so it's just, how do you know when that, when it is that client and whether you can, and maybe you ask them. Maybe you ask them because we have no problem. So our fees are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, so is this what you're asking? Sorry. If when you interview, when it's, you're doing the interview, the very first interview with the client, yep. it's like the mutual thing. You, you ask them, hey, I can do three different kinds of contracts. We can do a base fee hourly on top of that. We can do a fixed fee or we can do the range fee. Yep. And a lot of times with these big developers that we have multiple contracts, we always try to convince them of hourly. And there's two that I have that that are that because and what's great about that is that we never we never lie, we never inflate prices. If we get 65 an hour for our drafting work and 125 for um, our admin and you know like what the principals do, we're totally fine with that. We we're absolutely okay. And by never kind of like inflating or, or trying to overpriced i think we've just built up these these relationships so that so um if we set a range and it was at the lower end we wouldn't have a problem with that oh okay look at that look at that just fine and then we wouldn't have a problem with that in the moment but i honestly this is and this is just an on the fly thought is uh would we have a problem with that in hindsight because would we look at that and go wow we left money on the table well maybe it's a reality maybe but then but then if you're dealing with a rational person, let's say let's say each phase was ten thousand dollars, and schematic design only costs four thousand because they made just they just it was clear, DD not that bad. But then in CDs or um, in the uh, with the city, like it went from ten, it went to twenty. So like outside of your range, do you think they'd be okay and say okay, you've seen because, this whole progress? Like yeah, and and yeah, could you recoup some of the money from a different phase? I, I don't know. It. It's interesting. I don't yeah. know. That that's why I'm re- I'm so I really want this project because I want to see how it pans out. If just for my we've never done this before. How does it work out? Here's a question with um let's say you're doing a new project and you and and you say I would normally bid 10,000 on this. And you know sometimes we we lose money. Mm-hmm. Like we don't we don't go above. So would you say our range is from and then let's say you go the low realistic is 75 
and then it could get crazy. Do you say 75 to 12 instead of 10? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, it's as simple as that for me. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. What's your, what's, yeah, so is that your conclusion with that whole deal, Mr. Phone Man? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> off my phone. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I think ask them. Ask them if they want a range. Yeah. Hey, would you like a range? Because sometimes things can go smoothly. Yeah. So I will. I will actually post this. Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to start a poll in the Entree Architect community uh, and ask um, how many people do the three different. Like I'll do. Do you do a base plus hourly, the fixed fee, or do you do the range fee? I want to you know and see what everybody yep. says because maybe we are the freaking minority. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay, last thing we've got for you today is uh, we we ha- our good friend uh, Mr. Corey Trudell. Shout, shout out, out, shout out, Corey Trudell. Um, he's a he's a lifelong friend. Uh, grew up with him uh, back in uh, my North Dakota Montana days, and he's an, he's a listener of the podcast. Actually, not an architect. Um, he's a sa- he's a salesman, a businessman, and he's got uh, today's best and worst advice. So we're going to give him a listen, and then we'll be back with our reaction. Here we go. Hey Alex and Lance, this is Corey. Uh, appreciate you guys giving me a chance to uh, share some of my advice. Uh, as it relates to best advice, uh, one of the managers I worked for uh, in sales, I guess everybody knows I'm in pharmaceutical sales, uh, had talked about that fact-finding or exploratory conversation that you have where you're asking situational questions about what the customer needs, uh, what, what they're going through, And one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten was just how many questions you ask and questions that you know the answer to. And so he he put it in terms of, think of it as you have an amount of dollars in your hand, say it's three or five. And for each question that you ask, you have to give that person a dollar. And essentially when you're out of dollars, you're out of questions that you can ask. And so it really goes back to how important are the questions that you're asking your customer Uh, during that fact-finding. If it's a question that you know you can get the answer to on your own and do your own homework, then don't ask it there. Ask a question that you don't know the answer to that's not a yes or no question. That's something that can get them to open up and and help you understand them better. In relation to the bad advice, I guess what I would say, this isn't necessarily bad advice that I've been given, but something that I know has happened in in different areas. And that's that's when somebody is bad-mouthing or isn't the most trustworthy person uh, in terms of you know who they talk about or what business they talk about or what company they they you know throw under the bus in my line of work and I'm sure you guys is too what I've seen is if you're the person that people respect and and know that you're honest and that you're somebody that can uh, uphold your your word and your your image um, if there's ever something that happens and and it kind of goes to what you guys talked about in one of your first podcasts about, um, the different firms that you can work for, that you might have to work for, end up working for depending on, on if, or when you need a job. And if you're the person that somebody knows, uh, is, is open, honest, and is not bad mouthing a company or a person behind their back, um, you've got probably a much better shot than someone else that they know, uh, is just a loud mouth and talks, talks bad about anybody that they may be around or may be working for. And especially in pharmaceuticals, I've just seen people get overlooked for jobs they were probably qualified for because of the reputation that they had. And so bottom line, my, my advice in terms of the bad advice is, um, you know, don't listen to somebody or don't hang out with that person that you know has the bad reputation because it's just gonna spoil the way people look at you as well. 
Hey, I hope this helps, guys. Uh, keep it up. Really appreciate the podcast. It's good work. Okay. Hey, I thought that was great. Thanks a lot, Corey. Yeah, thanks a lot, Corey. Um, two reactions is I think it's great that you're putting something tangible to value people's time. And I think that's what you're talking about, about, you know, um, the dollar bills and, you know, asking questions is that's great. Have a, have a physical limit or, or every time you ask a question, think about dollars because that that's what it's worth. So I, I've never, I've never even thought about that. Um, I haven't either. And well, I, I have, so I haven't thought about it and, but then I did think about it obviously cause Corey, Corey brought it up. And the first thing I thought was what kind of questions do I ask in my initial meetings that are yes or no, yes or no answers. And one of them is, have you ever worked with an architect before? And a lot of times it's yes or no. Um, if you get the no answer, well then that's a one word, no answer. And it kind of goes against what Corey's saying, but I, st- I would still argue like that's a super valuable one because as an architect, it sets you up for, okay, I know I'm probably going to have to educate this client a little bit about the building process. It might be their own very first house and stuff like that. So even though it was a direct no back to me, I think then it opens me up for like, okay, here we go. Well, yeah. then let me, you know, let, can I explain a few things to you, client, about the building process, how it works, and educate them? Yep. Um, one question that I ask that maybe I'll eliminate is I ask, hey, do you know what the, the setbacks are? Because sometimes we don't know even the property address until we get there. So if we did, then I would maybe now look and know that the setback, so then I could I don't have to ask that question. And not only do I think about like, okay, a dollar per question, but maybe this is just an add-on. <clears throat> Maybe you should assign values to each question. So this question yeah. is worth $4. This question is worth $3. And then organize it so that those first questions are the ones that are worth the most dollars. Um, what would be a question? And, and maybe you actually, while you're thinking about that, what, maybe maybe you actually equate it to dollars. So Marilyn and I, my fiance and I have been talking about how to vet clients who are serious about actually buying property and who are not serious. So with land clients, we've mentioned this before, is you can buy land in two different ways. You can either finance it, which is actually hard to do, and you still have to have a pile of cash, or you can, or most of most of them happen just cash purchases only, right? So <clears throat> she's she's starting to do more and more land sales as a result of our land sale and a couple others that we've that we've segued to her, and what she does now is she she gets it out right away of are you paying you know will you be purchasing with cash, and then I mean she doesn't even ask them about credit. Yep. And it's an instant vetting. So you're literally talking about money right away in a, in a nice way and not something that's not, you know, um, putting them down or any kind of, you know. Yep. Well, I think one of the first questions we ask when someone wants to do a new build, we ask, do you have land? Yeah. So. That's one that I've honed in, uh, honed in directly on in the past year on yeah. our internet web marketing. Because because we've, we found out that months into it oh you don't even have land what that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense at all um the other thing is about bad mouthing i i think that the only point i wanted to add on that is that it's very tempting i think it's tempting to sit there and complain um i think it's sometimes uh therapeutical to like get things off of your chest um but i think it needs if you want to do that how i viewed is it is in a productive relationship so you know we i you, you might complain about the city but actually what I feel like I'm trying to do is is get from their perspective and then see how this process can work better. So just like the example, the font, it the, actually the, made sense, like because they do scale it down, right? I I think that's I think that's great. I think that's great. So um, if you are gonna vent things off your chest, I think maybe just with that productive mindset, 
Um, because I, I don't think you're going to eliminate it completely. I think you should reduce it drastically, but it should be like, yeah, they do this. Well, what if, what if they did this or, you know, Hey, I think we, you know, turn it to the positive light. That's, that's what I got. Yeah. I would only echo, I would only echo Alex's thoughts about that. I think, um, and then the only thing I would add is, uh, Corey had made a good point about, um, um, don't, don't surround yourself with people who are, uh, who have that kind of reputation. Like, you want to surround yourself with people that reflect if you have a positive, um, a positive outlook on life, a positive outlook on the people you work with, and that for good, for better, or for worse. Uh, you 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 are what you make of yourself, and the people around you also make you. So uh, with that, uh, we are about to sign off, and uh, for next week, we're going to do more development talk. We hope to hear from uh, Old Man River, a.k.a. Keith Gore. Shout please, out, Dad. Please send in your best and worst advice that you have received, whether whether personal or professional. Hopefully, it's professional because we know you, we know you used to run IBM. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be high up in IBM. Exactly. It was a joke. Um, but, uh, and then if he doesn't have good ones, I have, I have personal <laughs> best and worst <laughs> advice from, from Keith. And, and then the last thing is, uh, I will create that poll in the Entree Architect community, and I hope to hear back from another, a bunch of other architects, uh, design professionals about how they do their proposals, uh, and, and maybe we'll all be educated, especially us, because we seem like we're, we're newbies at that whole mix. Yeah. So have a great weekend. See you next week. Bye.